0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of News & Brews, a to-the-point video and podcast series where we discuss new developments related to the coronavirus pandemic and other emerging issues in college athletics. My name is Katie Davis. I'm joined today by my partner, Ken Kerdzel, and we are the leaders of the James Moore Collegiate Athletics Industry Team. Ken and I kicked off this News & Brews series back in April and we uh, talked about the top things we had seen and heard from our clients and friends during that time regarding the impact of COVID-19 to their athletic departments. Back then the threats to fall were a remote probability. Um, It was something they were looking at but it didn't feel like it was imminent and real and now that we're approaching the end of July, The outlook on the business of college sports looks very different as the COVID numbers continue to increase and the ripple effect continues to be felt. Um, So we're going to talk today about what the industry outlook looks like now. And of course, things change on a day by day basis. So this is as of July 21st, 2020 (laughs) at 4 p.m. Eastern. (laughs) And uh, um, first things first, though, Ken, let's talk about uh, what brew we're enjoying this week.
1: All right. Yes, we're enjoying, as those who've watched previous episodes know, Katie and I like to frequent our local breweries here in Gainesville, Florida, and our favorite, or one of our favorites is First Magnitude Brewing. Uh, They make a special beer for uh, the COVID season that they're calling Special Delivery, that they, uh, the special delivery is associated with the drive-through that they allow for, um, for picking up beer at a good social distance manner, so um i'm enjoying it very very much um it's you know even amongst the beers that they make i think one of the best ones i've had from them a great hazy new england style ipa
0: i really like this one too and we featured another one of these versions of it in an earlier news and brews and and we have been really supporting our local Gainesville breweries um, but we look forward to the days when we can go back to visit our clients and friends and see the local breweries in their college towns and experience that atmosphere. But until then, the Gainesville breweries have not been letting us down. And we've been happy to feature some of their best ones uh, as we've been sharing that with you. So um, we're gonna touch on our top three um, topics that we feel like are most relevant in the industry right now, just related to, um, of course, the pandemic, but also other, features and and forces in the environment of college Mm -hmm. athletics that are, you know, even competing somewhat with some of these pressures from coronavirus. So the first topic is return to play. And that's, of course, in front of everyone's mind and has been since this began. Um, Ken, do you want to share a little bit about uh, what you're seeing in the industry right now?
1: Well, unfortunately, uh, return to play um, looks exactly like the Florida weather that I have right outside my window right now that you all can't see. Um, it's a it's a big thunderstorm that we're going through right now. It's dark um, and doesn't look great for the fall, quite frankly. Um, we, we saw the SWAC on Monday uh, make the decision to kick uh, fall sports, notably football, to the spring. I mean, I think everybody's just waiting for one of the big conferences one of the power five or big group of five schools uh or conferences to to make that decision as well um it, it, west virginia's ad shane lyons made the comment the other day that it's like we're in the fourth quarter down by three touchdowns um and i thought that really rang true um it, uh, unfortunately just kind of given the trajectory of the pandemic uh here in the the rec- in the month of july it's really, really hard to see how fall sports occur. I, obviously, we're filming this on Tuesday, uh, July 21st, and uh, it'll be premiered on Thursday, the, the 23rd, 48 hours there. There's probably a, a lot of things that could happen and maybe even some big announcements in that time frame. And, you know, certainly expecting the SEC and some other conferences to make announcements uh, next week, most likely, um, with respect to the direction they're going. I mean, what Katie, what do you think are, you know, some of the the best worst case options?
0: Yeah, so, you know, we're seeing, we've been seeing our schools having 10, 20, 30 different scenarios that they're planning and it's starting to get more narrowly focused now to, um, you know, either playing in the fall with a small crowd or no football in the fall at all. Um, of course there are versions of that even of okay if we don't play in the fall but we play in the spring um you know what does that look like uh et cetera? but what i think is probably going to be likely is that um, you're going to hear more from those larger conferences like the big 10 and pac 12 that came mm-hmm. out early saying that they're going to play conference only games and now there's going to be more conversation about okay what's really going to happen in the fall Uh, Michigan came out with their uh, ticket policy. So they're one of the first larger schools that I've seen communicating with fans about how they're going to be addressing, um, you know, less than full capacity in their stadium. And I think other schools are preparing for those same communications, but are waiting until the last minute um, because you don't really know and you don't want to change anything. And you want to give fans the option to participate if if it's safe to do so. Um, But with the outlook of numbers continuing to increase and the clock's ticking, and and it's getting much closer to uh, football season starting, and it's it's a question of you know is this safe for our athletes? Is this safe for our fans? Is it the responsible thing to do, or do we need to um, you know look at other options? So the SWAC was one of the first to say no fall sports, and then they've come out again saying. We're going to play in the spring. Some other uh, conferences, Ivy League, um, Patriot League, the Colonial Athletic. A lot of the the conferences in the Northeast have also said no fall sports, but they haven't really said what the plan is going to be yet. And and I know from you know a client that we have in the Northeast that's had to let their student athletes know they're not going to be able to play. It's been really hard conversations for them. Uh, You know, some other really hard conversations right now are those schools that um, really rely on those non-conference games. So if you're FCS or a group of five, you really rely on that guarantee revenue. And, and right now there's all this force majeure language in the contracts and, and you know what does that mean it could be a huge hit there's a group of five school that's um got a got a power five game and are they're expecting two million dollars and and it's hard for anyone to see what that's going to look like when it gets canceled can they work something out um to maybe reschedule especially if football moves to the spring or find another future date where that game could happen so that revenue could still be a possibility but so many schools schedule so far out unless football seasons blown up and moved to a different time of year altogether it's going to be really hard for that to happen and and these schools want to be cognizant of the relationships they have with each other this industry is hugely built on relationships and and it's tough to you know really push back and say well we want we feel like you know we should get part of that money because we rely on it and and potentially burn some bridges in that process but it is for some of these smaller schools it's it's really crucial for these schools to get this revenue and that's what they rely on so um you know from the act of god language of force majeure I, I have a hard time believing that god thinks it's okay for uh big 10 to play a conference opponent but not uh a, you know a non-conference opponent and being able to to make that differentiation there but But I do see the reality is it's probably very unlikely that the schools are going to be playing conference games only in the fall. So it's only a matter of time before it is truly a situation where it's going to have to be canceled altogether. Unfortunately, Uh, we just have to stay tuned. I think that we're gonna hear a lot about it as we approach the end of July. And some of the other conferences will come out and start making decisions or states might be making decisions for, uh, for the schools, uh, regardless of what the conferences have to say. Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, it's not just football, uh, you know, athletics departments have many other sports in the fall and and it's unfortunate for all of those athletes. And, you know, some questions that I've asked and I'm by far not an expert at Title IX, um, but some something I've thought about is what does it look like if you move football to the spring, but you don't also move volleyball, women's soccer to the spring? Um, or what does it look like if you choose to, you know, attempt to start a football season with limited to no fans in the fall, but not other sports? And, and does that have any equity implications under title nine? Um, but, you know, athletic departments from the business standpoint have so much to look at when there's the return to play as well from, you know, in just the changes of operations. So, you know, regardless, there's, you know a lot of a lot of movement toward going ticketless and cashless and you know minimizing contact Uh, so what's happening there and how are they implementing those things to make sure that it's running smoothly that there's no uh opportunities for error to occur and and utilizing that technology and the internal controls in place there so We encourage uh, athletic departments to really take a close look at that as they do look at the return to sports and and being safe and and allowing for social distancing there. Um, Also, contract management, we're seeing, you know, you've seen in the news UCLA and Under Armour um, and are there going to be more apparel contracts that are going to uh, be impacted because of uh, just the impacts on the economy and their um, the overall from the pandemic of exposure um, of their brand to the fans and the ability to wear those um, brands during play, and um, you know also the multimedia rights contracts and Learfield IMG uh, renegotiating a lot of their contracts with schools as well as similar companies, and and are they right sizing the agreements or is it just that they're struggling with getting those sponsorships and. Um, you know, as those outside companies are right sizing and forcing things at, at some point, it's going to hit these athletic departments. And some of them we've seen that they've made significant pay cuts and furloughs and layoffs. And and that's just the beginning. I think if there's no football, I've heard multiple clients right. say it goes from chaos to catastrophe from, a, um, you know, having to be able to really cut significant costs from downsizing personnel to reducing the number of sports that they sponsor. And and it's just really unfortunate and um, a sad byproduct of this pandemic that's gone on a lot longer than anybody anticipated yeah. back in March and April when we first started talking about this.
1: Yeah, definitely um, dark times, very hard. I mean, it's, you know, sports aren't the most important thing, but it is a, um, it's a big deal of just kind of making society and culture feel like life's normal and it's really sad and hard and and certainly hard for us, you know, with so many clients in this industry, just seeing, I mean, these are real, real dollars, they're real jobs. Um, and you know, it's, it's a dark time. There's, there's no doubt in the long run. I know that sports will come back and college athletics will come back strong, but it's, it's definitely gonna be a hard year. There's just no getting around that. So we'll certainly, I hope and pray for a, uh, for a vaccine very quickly. Uh, to hopefully allow for some semblance of a a season somewhere here this year.
0: Yep, you and me both. Um, So on to other topics um, is another one that's a really hot topic that continues to be and was also pre-pandemic is name, image, and likeness. And students' ability to uh, profit based on who they are and not be uh, restricted in that area because they're college athletes. So, um, Ken, tell me a little bit more about what you're seeing in that area.
1: Yeah, the, um, recently the NCAA, well, they'll be, you know, obviously they're trying to push for some sort of federal legislation that would take precedence over the, the various state legislations that have already passed in this area. I mean, and for good reason. We know that um, it being a patchwork of different state laws is going to just be utter chaos. Uh, for the NCAA if, it, if things go that way. So they are working and have uh, proposed a draft that they're uh, starting to take to some Senate hearings here shortly. Um, big issue I think though, is I mean, there's there's definitely already a lot of pushback um, as expected when they released um, kind of a blueprint for this a couple months ago, there was, there was a fair amount of controversy over that blueprint that it was considered to be too restrictive um, of some of the athletes earning potentials and so forth. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see as it goes in front of uh, Congress, is it really going to be able to get the momentum it needs um, to get a bipartisan, it's going to take bipartisan coalitions to help push this forward and pass it. Um, Quite honestly, just editorializing a little bit here, it seems that, you know, Congress being in the middle of an election year, and being in the middle of a pandemic, and just all the everything else that's going on, it's hard to see how this issue is is one that they really spend a lot of time on to to try to fix per se. Um, so I'm a little bit pessimistic, I guess of of something actually passing this year, the getting enough bipartisan agreement on a, on legislation um, as much as I think it's what needs to happen and that we need a federal uh, unified law on it. it's gosh, it's hard to see it happening this year. and so that does throw into question if it doesn't pass then then we head into 2021 and of course in july of 2021 the state of Florida already has their their law set up signed into law and set to go into action on that date so um, there is a timetable for this that uh, needs to be dealt with and um, right now it feels like okay that's almost 12 months away um, there's time for it to happen but um, it, it'll be interesting to see i could see that that really ticking up on us and and unfortunately maybe getting closer and getting into next year before something gets, gets passed. It'll be interesting to see how the hearings go on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are some, uh, us congressmen that are there's actually multiple drafts that are out there. And then of course, NCAA is going to provide their input. Um, i do think that this has support from both parties and it's one of yeah. the few things out there that mm-hmm. is supported by anything coming from the federal level or the ncaa has caught a lot of scrutiny from those uh, that hit, were working behind the scenes to really push forward in california florida um, mm-hmm. and colorado from the local politicians and the attorneys that were helping them draft that information that are really scrutinizing what is coming out of the ncaa and the federal government is, is this is really in the best interest of the student athletes or is this being selfish and in the best interest of the NCAA and the institutions that are members um, however I think a lot of this is going to become a happy medium where it's in, and it's got to dip the toe in the water it's just a matter of our people willing to compromise and then evolve from there to get it started and avoid the chaos of I mean Florida's bill originally as drafted would have come into effect july of 2020 so it would be in effect now and i can't imagine um you know the chaos that would ensue as a result of that but also it makes Mm -hmm. me wonder um would return to play look different if athletes were getting paid they're not getting paid to play but if they were paid um you know as athletes similar to professional athletes would they be looked at differently i don't think that getting paid um you know makes it any better to risk anyone's uh public health you know the public health because of that but people might be viewing this a little bit differently had they been so so it would be be interesting to see that but you know there are other factors right now like black lives matter where um athletes have really exhibited the, the platform that they have um and the voice that they have to make Movements and make changes, and you know, for example, there's a, a football player at Florida State, and the group of athletes that came together uh, at Texas to propose some demands, and uh-huh. so it really shows that they are stepping up and they do want to have a voice and be heard and and be taken seriously, and uh-huh. and if that includes receiving compensation for who they are and and the brand that they put out there, um, you know, I think people all support that to a certain extent. It's just a matter of um, You know what concessions are given and i know the power five put together their proposed legislation which has received some criticism um, for requirements such as completion of a semester first um, Mm -hmm. making their contracts public and shielding litigation for the ncaa and conferences and that's received some um some criticism uh but at least it's you know people are getting their voices heard and, and at least now there can be discussion around it but you know, I think there are some unknowns. Um, again, I bring up Title IX. I think there could be some Some people say there's not going to be implications. Others say there is. Um, saw something the other day about people uh, talking about revenue sharing between a university and an athlete. And I think that would open up a Pandora's box oh, wow. to a lot of complications. So I hope that that's not the direction they go. Um, but regardless, I think it's really important. And we've talked about this many times before that athletes need to be uh, ready to handle the new responsibilities of, um, managing their finances and understanding tax implications and making sure that they're responsible with their money. And, um, especially those that are going to be receiving large sums of money or those that might receive, uh, non-cash type benefits that, uh, then you might have to still pay taxes, but you may not have the cash to pay those taxes. So just understanding uh, the implications out there from a financial literacy standpoint um, and and now might be the perfect time if the athletes aren't competing and having, you know, as much of a uh, workout schedule and a practice schedule. Maybe now is the time to focus more on some of those soft skills of your student athletes and right. a lot of things that, you know, schools do with their athletes and preparing them for life after college and That could include some financial literacy training and other development in the area of personal branding and um, relationship building and effective communication and and, um, you know, values of your institution to make sure that there is alignment there. So I think there's a lot that institutions can be doing right now, but there's also limited resources on what they can provide, too. So I think it's going to be. an opportunity, but also a challenge at the same time, just to make sure that athletes are are ready for this when the time comes, because it'll be here before we know it.
1: Absolutely, and we're already hearing and seeing of uh, the fact that I mean, just the, the the simple fact that Florida has the law passed has already got to be affecting issues like recruiting. If if mm-hmm. potential uh, college athletes, if high school students know that. Hey, in Florida, in, in July 2021, uh, it's set to go into play. That's got to affect some of the things. So I got to imagine other states, other than Florida, and you know Georgia, Alabama, some of the other competing states down here in the in the South. Um, they're probably very ready for there to be some legislation so that everybody's on equal footing.
0: Mm-hmm. I I would think so as well. Uh, So the third topic that we wanted to bring discussion around is that last week, the USA Today released the fiscal year 19 numbers to their public database uh, for NCAA financials. And that's where you'll see, um, you know, a summary of revenues and the schools that made the most money. And and that's generally what the media, both national and on the local level, gather um, and report on. Uh, Ken, do you want to share some thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I guess the first thought I had, as I saw even in our local newspaper here, the ha- a headline the other day that picked up on this and, and carried it forward and was looking at all the different Florida schools and their various profit and loss reported was how ironic the timing was in the midst of this pandemic and in the midst of them talking about, you know, fall sports may or may not happen, you know, the catastrophic impacts if there's no football, things like that realizing that the financial core of collegiate athletics is being shaken, you know, violently and is is very perilous here going forward, Uh, you know, is occurring simultaneous with release of 2019. So not even the current year that just finished up but the year before, which was a strong year for for many schools, you know, fiscally. I mean, you, you had a roaring economy and pretty strong contributions at many schools. So there's a lot of schools that showed really nice profits uh, according to these reports, which you and I both know um, the way the reporting works, uh, whether they really have a profit or not is questionable. You could show a huge profit in the statement of revenues and expenses that the NCAA has reported on. And in reality, because of the way the accounting works, that that may not actually be true or be the case. So but nonetheless, you know, it it does show some of the limits too of the fact that this financial reporting is historical, and you know, we're 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 showing very strong financial resources from the 2019 year that um, that may just get decimated in the 2021 year. So, um, kind of just an interesting twist. Um, yes, I, I same thing that we talk around here a lot about is telling your financial story. And unfortunately, you know, the the financial story that comes out every year with the USA Today and this big report, um, some schools, it's going to be accurate, um, you know, given, you know, a particular situation. But we know that there's lots of situations where um, the way it's reported does not necessarily line up with the true economic reality, that there Mm -hmm. could either be um, huge losses shown that really aren't losses that may be because of particular events in the in the way of transfers to the institution or capital projects and all that that occur in a particular year or vice versa just huge profits that that really when you look at it in more detail and know a bigger part of the picture of the story realize that no you know xyz school did not have a 40 million dollar profit as as could be reported at, from time to time in these so um, it's always a complicated time, and it's always a time that, um, you know, USA Today is doing their best, probably, to get good publicly available information and tell a story with it, but it tends to be an incomplete story. It,
0: it is, and it, and I don't want to say it's the USA Today's fault. Um, generally, by the time they're able to gather all of this data, it's a year later. Um, It's from publicly available financial reports from the U.S. government with the EADA and then the NCAA's financial reporting system. And and those are just flawed uh, financial reporting models and they don't show the complete picture. And so I I can't completely fault the USA Today for it. But what I would like to see is more understanding by those trying to tell the financial story that they're not getting the full story and to be more well-rounded in their reporting maybe they should uh, collaborate with the institutions that they're reporting on to really understand that and and unfortunately some institutions keep it really close to the vest and aren't proactively thinking about what does that communication mean others that we talk to want to get out there and want to get ahead of it and tell their story so that the readers of those stories really understand what's going on and but they might just struggle on how to do that um, but I heard the other day that some athletic directors actually look to that USA today report more than they look at their own internal reports to really oh. understand what their picture looks like, where they, how they compare to, uh, their peers. And, and I, I get it. And I understand why, because it, it appears to be apples to apples though we know, um, you know, as, as one of our, uh, clients in industries calls it tomato tomato. And, um, but it's, it's a quick at a glance for, for people that aren't financially savvy to know where they are in the financial pecking order and what the, the initial picture looks like for them and i think it's important to look like that look at that and know what you're up against but i think it's more important to really understand what the true picture is and how to articulate that uh to your um you know to the public and to your internal stakeholders to really understand uh what's going on financially in your athletic department and then how to better manage your athletic department based on what the financial information is telling you
1: absolutely yeah and and as well known, of course, it only paints the picture of the revenues and expenditures. Uh, doesn't have a balance sheet, so you know the, it's an incomplete picture from looking at where the assets, liabilities, and net position are. They do report debt down as a supplemental information on that, but but still, it's, but that's it's
0: not showing in that net number that you know yeah. it's, it's outside of that. So it's still
1: yeah. it's so that, it definitely is an incomplete picture and doesn't necessarily give the full um give a a good good perspective on the the fiscal health of a particular school
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think you know what people are looking at is how much what's our revenue who made the most money and how much where do we fall in that and then what's the the net profit so you know are we in the black or are we in the red and beyond that i don't think they're looking at anything else and that's unfortunate because there's so much more to the story there
1: well, I think um, that's what we have for today. Um, as we mentioned before, we're ready for the vaccine. We're ready to get out going across the country to clients in different college towns and hopefully filming this somewhere other than our office, which I'm tired of mine. I don't know about you, Katie, but uh, ready to get out and enjoy collegiate athletics.
0: Yeah. And you know, to our friends in the college athletics industry, we empathize with your situation advocating for the financial voices in college athletics is one way that we can give back to all of the industry who we love so much. And we're hoping that you're hanging in there and thank you all for tuning in and hearing uh, more from us on our perspective of what we're seeing and, and hoping that it, we're providing value to you by sharing what we're seeing so that you can uh, relate or um, you know, at least feel like you're not going through this alone. Uh, you can visit jmco.com for more information on the business of college sports. Uh, please also email us directly if you have any questions, any topics you'd like to see us cover or any brew recommendations for future episodes. Um, or if you'd like to join us for a future episode, we would love to have you. Uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter for more news as the higher education and the collegiate athletics landscape is rapidly evolving. Thanks for tuning in.